You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast, the podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is in black and white. Here's your host, Brandon Bourgeois. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Team Stripes Podcast. You're tuning in to episode number 48. On this episode, we bring a highly accomplished uh, referee to the show. Many of you out there will know him. His name's Peter Tarneris, and uh, Peter has quite the accomplished career. He's uh, full-time in the American League right now, but along the way, he's had stops in the East Coast League, Central League, uh, USHL, and he was even part of the uh, U.S. Development Program at a pretty young age. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, welcome onto the uh, program uh, Peter Tarneris. Peter, welcome. Uh, thank you, Brandon. It's uh, great to be on here. So, Peter, thanks for uh, for coming on to the show. We're looking forward to chatting. But uh, before we get uh, into some of the some of the subjects we're going to talk about, just tell us a little bit about your your story. What's uh, how did how did your career kind of get started, and how did it progress? Well, uh, I started uh, getting an opportunity at a young age. I was very fortunate. Uh, I was playing at the time and. Uh, wanted to uh, stay involved in the game in a little different facet. I uh, saw an advertisement uh, at a uh, local rink that they were hosting officiating seminars, and I uh, got into it uh, at age 12. Uh, at age 15, uh, I was fortunate to get an opportunity where a door was open to start officiating in the U.S. Development Program and uh, started working in the USHL at, at 15. So at that time, it was a little bit of an older uh, group, uh, as far as the average age goes, and uh, it was it was a great benefit for me because it uh, forced me to mature a little quickly, and um, uh, coupled that with uh, a path uh, that uh, got an opportunity, uh, got my feet wet in the SPHL, and then uh, moved on to the Central Hockey League for a couple of years, uh, then the ECHL, and then got an opportunity uh, in the American Hockey League. And so for you, I mean, were you somebody that took to officiating right as soon as you got going, or was it, was it a bit of a learning curve for you? Uh, you know, I think in general it's, a, it's, it's always going to be a learning curve. Uh, my, my first game, I remember, I was completely lost. It's, uh, it's something that I wouldn't say that uh, you're a natural at uh, to start. It's, it's called an art or a craft for a reason. Uh, you learn to hone in skills and, and learn from from veterans or people that are there to act as mentors. Uh, but uh, I had uh, a playing experience underneath my belt, uh, at a, you know, from just being a youth uh, playing hockey. And uh, I had, uh, you know, a grown a passion for the game. So I, I had that desire to want to learn and really engulf myself in, uh, in learning more about officiating. And just talk about, obviously, you got some pretty cool opportunities at a young age. I mean, talk about just the challenges that you face coming into some, some high-profile stuff at, at such a young age? Was there certain challenges that you faced, uh, you know, considering that? Well, I, I think uh, breaking in at, uh, at 15 in the, in the USHL, uh, the first thing uh, was that, you know, I looked around and the players had facial hair, and I didn't. So it was, uh, that was a bit of a shock at first. Uh, but, uh, you know, kind of going along those lines uh, you wanted to establish your your level of credibility and gain your respect and and having a baby face or knowing that that you're the young guy or the new guy that's something that you have to work at uh in order to gain that respect and, and trust from players and coaches and your fellow teammates uh on the ice so that was something that that you learned that you had to uh 
to work hard every night and show up with hustle and, and be uh, someone that realizes that God gave you two ears and one mouth uh, for a reason, and, and that's uh, to listen first and, and, and talk later and uh, really, uh, really learn from people. Be open to learning. And I think that's a great segue because one, I know one area of officiating that you're really passionate about and something that, that you uh, are probably really well versed in is, is communication for officials. And I'm just curious if you could just kind of give maybe your perspective on just why communication is just so valuable for, for officials, whether you're working, you know, the you know minor hockey or you're working in the American Hockey League. Uh, I think uh, I think communication is probably the most uh, important part. Um, you have to have the basics in order to be a good official with, you know, your physical fitness, uh, being a good skater, having good judgment situations. But communication is what I think sets the best apart from the rest. And uh, it's, uh, it's something that you need at every single level uh, because there's always going to be uh, a gray area in the game. That, that's what makes our game great. There's, it's a flow game. There's a lot of minute-and-a-half penalties that happen on the ice, and we're there to pick the ones that, you know, that are, are the two-minute penalties, the ones that stand out, the ones that, you know, there's, a, there's an advantage gained or it's a dangerous play. At the end of the day, what we're doing is we're patrolling, you know, the safety and fairness on the ice. And being able to communicate that to the teams gives you that benefit of the doubt as an official. Uh, from from coaches and players once you establish that level of credibility. Uh, in the American Hockey League, I, I'm, I'm fortunate because I get to see a lot of the players and coaches uh, very frequently. Uh, at the youth level, um, I think that it's important for officials to realize uh, that uh, communication is not only verbal, but there's nonverbal cues that we give off in uh, as officials. Um, once we step on the ice, I mean, we're being basically judged uh, from players and coaches from our appearance all the way down to our hustle and work ethic, our skating, and everything in between. So it's, it's important to, to have preparedness on all those. And so you talk about that proper body language, and I think that's, that's a really good point because I think we talk about communication and instinctively everybody just assumes it's the way you talk, but I think you're totally bang on when you talk about the importance of the nonverbal. But give us an example. I mean, you know, you, you're coming into a game, you know, you're coming, stepping onto the ice. I mean, what does that good body language look like when you're trying to, you know, set that positive tone for whether it's the players, the parents, the coaches, the fans? I mean, what does that positive body language look like to you? You know, for us, uh, I know that, you know, us going on the ice, uh, we, we're out there before any players are, before either the visiting or the home team are out there. So I know a lot of guys like to get a good warm-up lap in, uh, have a good skate. Obviously, you know, showing that you're a good skater is uh, important for level, uh, establishing a level of credibility uh, because it shows that you're able to get into the areas of the ice and, and get a sight line in the thing. Uh, and, uh, and it helps you uh, gain respect right off the bat. But, uh, you know, from you know, even at the, at the beginning levels and having your uniform in, in proper condition, looking presentable and, uh, and coupling that into most importantly, appearing as though you want to be there every night. And, um, no matter what day of the week it is, you might have a Tuesday night game that, you know, is in the middle of January that we call the dog days of the season, uh, where it's kind of that midpoint where, you know, teams are kind of, you know, tired of their roommates, you know, on the road. No one, no one's farts are funny anymore, as, as, as we would say, you know, when you're playing and, and traveling with your team, right? So it's, uh, it's the dog days and, and you showing that you're out there to work every night 
and still elevate your game, I think that's uh, that's the most important part is to show in your first level of credibility with with teams and and coaches. Yeah, that's 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 well said, Peter. And and for you, and you're talking about you know when you switch into kind of the actual verbal communication aspect, is there moments in your career or situations that, that come to mind when you when you really think of maybe an advantage of using the proper communication? Is there certain a certain time in the game or certain situations that that's really a really critical part of, of, of kind of your game in terms of communication? I think that's, I think that's right where we get into the, the art or the, the craft of officiating. Cause you know, I can think of dozens of situations that occur in a hockey game where communication could be either be used to get out of a situation or help, you know, elaborate on your take. Uh, but I think the most important way that I use communication, at least communicating to the bench uh, because more often than not, players react off their coach. You see it as a cultural influence on the team. I use line changes as a, as a, as a great time to build that rapport or communication because you might have had a weird hit, funky hit that might have happened along the wall. You know, the teams might not have had a good, good angle at it, but they're still kind of questioning what had happened. And you might just throw a couple words in there to line change when they're looking at you and be able to communicate something. Or a coach might have just been heated about something, and all you have to do is look at him and say, hey, you good? Are you guys good on your change? And that just brings and, and simmers things down. It brings the temperature down because at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're, we're controlling the, you know, the emotion uh, of the game and the temperature of the game. We're, we've got a little dial that we're, that we're working on to keep it from boiling over. And that's 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 a really good take on, on kind of approaching communication. And for you, you sort of mentioned that you know you run into a lot of the same teams uh, pretty frequently in the American League. And I'm sure we have a lot of listeners out there that they might be used to doing a lot of their local teams and seeing those teams frequently, and maybe seeing a lot of new teams for the first time. For you, is there a different approach at all to to seeing a new team versus a team that you know well? I mean, seeing a new team, do you make that extra effort to really, you know, maybe break the ice and establish some rapport? I, I think that, uh, you know, with the American Hockey League, since, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great development league, uh, although you might be seeing teams with some new faces, there's more often than not still about four or five guys that are interchangeable on each team that are role players. It might be veterans that are there for a reason that's set by example. So we're fortunate that, if you get enough repetition in the league, you're going to be able to build a little bit of a, uh, a credibility or relationship with, uh, with a couple guys on every team. And, and, and those are the guys you want to go to and use in situations where you might want to communicate something that you want to take to the bench. You know, our game is something where we, we, we might get people think we might get yelled at all the time. Right. And, and we can prevent that because knowing the difference between emotion and abuse in, in our game is, is, I think, the most integral part to being a good communicator. Because if you play the game at any level, you know that the game's an emotional game. But uh, when, when things start crossing the line, you can reach out to those type of veteran guys or guys that you've seen faces uh, that are familiar and carry a message for you instead of you having to visit the bench each time to take care of something. Or they might bite something in the butt with an individual that might be something that's a, a bit of a, of a, of a problem or, or someone that's stirring the pot during a game. But as far as, as, far as uh, how I approach things with teams that might have some new faces, I like being a student of, uh, of the game and, and doing my homework. I think preparedness is key to, to success. So I'm someone that likes reading through the stat packs to receive before the game and, and getting to know each guy's history, um, 
you know, tendencies. It, it doesn't alter your judgment, but, you know, it makes you kind of aware of, uh, of what their track record is and, and where they've come from. And, and then, you know, just small little cues on if, if, there's, a, if there's a guy who is the first year in the league, what's wrong with going up to him and saying, hey, man, congrats on signing the American League or, you know, signing a two-way deal this year. Heard you got a couple games up top. You know, best of luck to you. It's just those little things that show the human aspect to, to what we are as officials. And I'm curious to know, like, I mean, when you were first getting into the American League, was did you have that comfort level immediately where you could have those conversations? Or is it something where you sort of need to kind of work your way into it with experience and time in, in a league like that? Yeah, it, it, you're bang on. Experience is key in, in this situation. I mean, in my first year in the league, you're you're just doing your best to feel out things for yourself. I mean, you're working with new partners. You're working with new coaches, new players. You know, you more or less lean on, and where I was fortunate was I had had a, a history in hockey at the junior level and minor professional level where I saw a lot of faces before them that also came up, you know, on the same timing as me. So guys that were guys that had worked or played and coached in the USHL, you know, that was a league that I was in in, in my youth, in my, in, my, in my infancy in officiating. So if I were to see them on the ice, we've already kind of got uh, a little bit of a pass, and they, and they, they recognize the face. So uh, that, that helped out a lot early on with my involvement in the American League. But the most important thing is, is consistency. The players, players want to see uh, an official that they know what they're expecting every night out of, and they want to see consistency. I mean, any of us can go out there and have one game and impress, but impressing over 60 games stringed long, that's the mark of a true official. And, and the teams pick up on that. Believe me, they, they know who are the guys that, that can bring it every night. And that level of respect and credibility is given to those individuals and the benefit of doubt is given. And, you know, if guys start getting testy, they tell their guys to back off because they know what, uh, what work ethic that person puts in. So, sure. Peter, you talked about, you know, earlier on about the, you know, the importance of understanding emotions and how hockey is an emotional game. Uh, you know, for you, is that is that part of your approach and understanding maybe a team is going to be upset, you know, or a team might be, you know, down on their luck a little bit? Is that something that factors into you, into your approach and understanding kind of what emotions might be at play for certain teams or players during a game? Yeah, that's that's definitely something that I look at with uh, with approach to communication. Uh, I, I obviously go game by game. I don't look uh, into you know if a team's been on a big losing streak. I, I that's in the back of my mind, but I don't let it factor into my decision making when it comes to how I would approach communicating. But when there's an emotional rise that occurs in a game, you have to be very selective and 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 very very detailed on how you approach the situation because you're dealing with 40 different personalities uh, on the ice at one time that are in a heated environment. So it goes back to that little thermometer that we're kind of controlling on the ice of the temperature, uh, knowing when to approach the bench or certain players in situations and knowing if the guy's just flat out frustrated because there's more often than not, if a guy's upset, He's typically either upset at himself or frustrated with the situation, and he takes it out on the jersey instead of the individual. So when you can show them that you're not a jersey and you're an individual, they're probably not going to be taking it out on you, and instead they're going to be gripping their stick hard and be frustrated with themselves if they take a penalty that might be you know, a lazy penalty, a hook where they're out of a position. Or if a team's just been getting you know, thumped and they're, really, you know, they're losing by a big margin, um, 
knowing how to kind of control that emotion in, in those situations where, you know, you might be uh, a little bit more understanding with telling a guy, hey, listen, uh, trying to help them out in front so they're not taking a penalty to bury them, tell them their, their team a little bit more. You're not coaching the guys, but you're, you're making them aware that you're out there and you're looking for safety and fairness at the end of the day. You know, one of the keys I use in front of the net with guys is, hey, guys, I got no problem with you using a body, but you, you use that stick. That ha- that's not a defensive play. Like when guys are putting in a guy's kidneys, um, I was a defenseman. I did a lot of dumb stuff in front of the net, and that's why I sat on the other side of the ice for my team more often than on the bench side. And that's something that I try and, you know, have a level of precedence and, and uh, communication with as an official. During a game, how do you basically, how do you understand or how do you get a feel for when the best times to approach a bench or, or a player would be considering what's going on in that game? You know, I, I like to approach it, obviously, with uh, knowing uh, the temperature of where we're at within the game uh, and knowing the personnel, knowing who I'm dealing with, and also knowing the situation. Uh, as officials, uh, one thing that's important to identify is uh, that we're someone that we want to convey the right expectations uh, on the ice. Uh, life's about expectations. And when we have a variance uh, of that expectation of something that happens outside of the norm, I think that's where confusion comes in and where we're, as officials, that's where we have to step up and communicate a situation, whether it be to a player or to a coach in a situation. And, and what do I mean by that variance? Some situation may happen that's a little bit um, out of the ordinary, where it might take a, a level of communication where you go over and you're factual and you talk about what happened. And there might still be confusion from the team, but the way that you approach it at the end of the day, I think is very important. Uh, you might have situations where you're on the ice and there's a player that might be heated and frustrated with himself, and he might not be the best approach at that time. Uh, you can either wait and approach it later and show them that, uh, again, bring back that human element or this might be a good time to lean on those veteran guys that I had mentioned or, or guys that you've got a relationship with and say, hey, um, you know, uh, 17 over there, he's, uh, he's kind of getting a little bit uh, squirrely with his stick. You know, you might want to tell him in front, uh, you know, that's something just to be aware of because I know he's frustrated and I don't want it costing you guys. And when you put that uh, detriment or, or uh, risk in, the, in a player's mind, that's definitely something they're going to convey because they don't want to risk um, a situation where they're getting a penalty, especially if it's a team that's, you know, that's in a close hockey game or if it's a team that, you know, at, at the professional junior level, you know, these teams have long seasons. If they're getting on a, on a skid of a losing streak, they don't want to add to that negativity of the here we go again mentality uh, where things just go wrong and snowball. So that's not you uh, necessarily coaching but it's more or less um, getting on the same page and, and doing what's right for the game at the end of the day. And one thing I really wanted to get your perspective on, because I know you've had a really good career with, with lots of playoff experience across uh, various leagues. And I'm curious for you, is there a difference between maybe communication in a regular season game versus a playoff game? I mean, I know we touched on emotions, but just your overall approach, do you find a difference between a regular season and a playoff game? Uh, it's probably contrary to, to most people's belief, but I think that in, in playoffs, it, uh, it becomes easier to communicate because guys know what's at stake in a playoff game. The regular season, 
I mean, you got, you know, some leagues, guys are playing 80 games. You got other leagues, guys are playing 60 games. It's, it's a long season. So the direct consequence for situations may not be there in the regular season that it is in playoffs. So guys know that they're not going to take that risk. And, that, and, that's, and that's what I try and instill in, in things is, is that you're making guys aware of what's going on. You're, you're, you're on the side of, of uh, not necessarily helping them along, but making them aware that you're aware uh, at the end of the day uh, of, uh, of what's going on on the ice. It's not threatening them. It's not saying, hey, you do this again, I'm giving you a penalty. It's more saying, hey, listen, I... You know, just careful on that uh, on that stick work, man, because if it, it, you slide your stick up into his hands and it has a has a consequence now, it, my arm's going to go up. You, a red light goes off when you see the stick parallel on the ice, but the consequence has to be there, right? So uh, you, you put it on, on their side and, and letting them know that you don't want guys gambling out there. And, and they get it at that point. Players try and play on the line. Any rule that's been put out there, coaches have tried to coach around and players have tried to play around. So it's, uh, it's what makes the game great, and that, and that goes back to you know, the, the minute-and-a-half penalties that happen on the ice. It's, it's, a, it's a flow game, and, and that's, I think, what, what makes hockey the, the best sport in the world. And I think it really is the best sport in the world. And you mentioned that you know, when you started out, you, you, were, you were pretty young. Uh, getting into the ODP, I think you said 15 years old. And for you, I mean, obviously, I would assume that you've grown a lot with your experience in officiating. And I'm sure we have a lot of young listeners out there that there might be in their first few seasons of officiating hockey. And, you know, they might not be as confident in using those communication skills as, as a veteran like yourself. I mean, for, for, for those officials out there just starting out and trying to get a comfort level, do you have any advice for those guys in approaching their communication? You know, I, I think that, uh, like we said, you know, the only way to get better at being a communicator is, is through repetition and experience. You want to control what you can control, and that's preparedness. But most importantly, what I tell the young officials to not be afraid of is to reach out and ask questions. If you get a, an opportunity to work with someone who's a veteran official uh, or learn from a veteran official, I know myself, I used to attend hockey games and watch officials in order to try and get better. Uh, you know, in the American Hockey League, when I was in the USHL, I'd go to American Hockey League games. I'd go to NHL games, and I'd try and watch some of the best guys at their craft and learn from them. And if I got to build a relationship with them, I'd pick their brain on what made them successful, what they try and use. And I think that's the most important part is being a sponge and not being afraid to ask questions uh, as a young official because when I first started, I know that that was kind of a tough thing to do because you didn't want to feel like you gave off the perception that you don't know what you're doing. So that's not something that we should be afraid of uh, starting out because nobody knows what they're doing when they first start out. I mean, you can take a guy, you know, from at any age, it's, if it's their first year officiating, there's a lot to learn. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, and, and older officials are always going to be there to kind of to, to mentor and, and provide that assistance. And Peter, let me just say, I mean, this has been a really great chat for me because I, I've picked up a lot of things that I didn't know previously. And you've, I think you have a really great perspective on talking about communication. And I think there's, it's, a huge, it's a huge subject that, that you know, has a lot of different uh, branches to it, let's say. But one thing that I don't think we really talk about at all in maybe the officiating community is when we talk about communication, we often reference, you know, talking to players and coaches and, you know, those type of personnel. But What's the role of communication between officials? Is that a skill set as well that needs to be learned and, and improved upon as well? 
Uh, I absolutely think that it's a role that uh, that can be improved upon. I mean, hockey's uh, something that I don't care how many years of experience you have in it. You're always learning, and you're always trying to get better. At least that's what makes the the, the best uh, and the cream rise to the top. Um, within our own locker room, we're we're a team. Uh, every night that you go to battle, whether it's you know two guys on the ice, three guys on the ice, four guys on the ice. I know that uh, some guys are scared to have that conversation in intermissions about, you know, specific calls that might have happened. They don't want to step on their partner's toes. They don't want to offend anybody or, or get anyone, you know, riled up. And, and I don't think it should be that way. Uh, at the end of the day, we want to do what's right for the game. We want to make the calls that are, are right for the game. And we want to better ourselves as a group. I have no problem in a locker room, and I, I would have no ego if someone would – approach me and say, hey, Pete, what'd you see on that one play? And something that we can just talk about because, you know, I've had other games in, in, in some leagues coming up where we sit in the locker room and, and it's very quiet. And that's, uh, that's not how a, a team would, uh, would get better. You, you want to have that chatter. You want to talk about situations. You, wanna, you want to uh, elaborate on your line of thinking. And most importantly, it helps with our, our consistency amongst the league that we might be working in or a level that we might be working at. Because if we're talking about face-offs, I mean, this situation happened the other night. We were talking about consistency in face-offs, you know, within, uh, within the league and officials and wanting to get everyone on the same page. You talk about the cues that everyone does to get face-offs consistent. You want things being uniform, and, and uh, you want guys being on the same page. So I think that talking to each other as officials is, uh, is something that only helps us get better. And it's, it's not like you're trying to preach to the guy to, to make them, you know, like uh, uh, think that you're their mentor, but you're trying to work as a team. So that's, that's the most important part. Yeah. And, and Peter, like I said, this has been a really enlightening chat for me personally and, and hearing about your perspective on communication. I think for all the listeners out there, this is particularly helpful. And uh, I'm just interested to know, I mean, obviously this is something that that's important. I mean, what's your overall sense of, of how this is taught. Do you think we can improve this as officials? Is there a role maybe for, you know, RICs across, you know, uh, officiating to maybe step in and really make this a, a priority in terms of what we're teaching young officials? Uh, I think that this is something that we could definitely instill in uh, with, uh, with young officials. Uh, the thing is, though, with, with what I've learned, I've learned this through experience with several different officials and being able to take parts and pieces from each individual that I've encountered that work for me. And I don't think that we should have a um, cookie-cutter approach to communication because there should still be a little bit of that personality in the game, which I think is great. It, it, makes, it makes that human element uh, evident when you have that little bit of personality. Uh, and, and it helps with that credibility with coaches and players. But uh, I think that there's definitely keys that can be communicated, especially the younger up-and-coming officials and guys that are looking to break into the junior and pro level. I mean, it's different. I mean, the biggest, the, one of the biggest shocks to me was when I transitioned from the, the junior to the professional level, you're dealing with grown men now. You know, they're, they're, they're people that are putting their, their food on the table with this, uh, with this living and uh, the approach is, is, is much different. I mean, it's, uh, it, there's nights where, you know, it, it's work. Um, there's nights where somebody might just be grumpy. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. going to another day job where someone's just having a, a grumpy day and, 
you know, you got to learn to be able to diffuse that situation or, or bring them down from that and make them realize that, Hey man, like you're getting paid to play one of the, you know, if not the best sport in the world, this is pretty sweet. So, you know, I, yeah. I don't know. What it is. So that's, that's kind of the, the way that I look at it. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to look at it. And if they get to play the best sport in the world, we get to officiate the best sport in the world. So Peter, uh, thank you for, for your time. And I really appreciate it. We know you're busy traveling around, uh, officiating hockey, but we appreciate your time. And, uh, to leave it off, we always ask our guests and this doesn't have to relate to communication, but, uh, do you have any advice, I guess, out there for the officials that might be listening? Uh, well, I'd start with uh, being uh, being open, obviously, to uh, to input from uh, your, your fellow teammates, uh, being uh, a sponge and, uh, and a student of the game. I know that that was something that, that I really uh, looked at uh, in my uh, youth and officiating and, and haven't changed. I mean, because uh, like we said earlier, it doesn't matter what your experience uh, as an official uh, is prior. Um, officiating is a different art form, and it takes uh, – it takes a different uh, knack uh, for what you're learning, and, and the only way that you can learn is through experience and through your peers. So leaning on your peers, I think, is really important. But the, the most important part is realizing that we are a team and a brotherhood and uh, moving, uh, moving up the ladder in, uh, in officiating, whether it's in your local community or working into the juniors, collegiate or pro, um, not worrying about uh, your fellow officials, uh, but more so worrying about uh, competing with yourself and uh, finding what uh, brings you to the next level each year. Um, you know, there's phrases that say, you know, what got you there today is not what's going to get you to the next level tomorrow, and I, and I truly believe in that. So not necessarily reinventing yourself, but constantly uh, competing with, uh, with yourself, I think, is, is really important uh, as an official, but keeping that teamwork in mind. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to, to wrap up the chat. And uh, once again, our guest was uh, Peter Turner. So, Peter, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll chat down the road, I'm sure. Uh, Thank you very much, Brandon, and thank you uh, for having me involved.